welcome to the Not Quite the Afterglow podcast, your chance to see inside the mind of a British 40-something man and his 30-something wife. Not your average couple, but then this is not your average podcast. Hey everyone, you're listening to episode 25 of Not Quite the Afterglow. My name's Richard. And I'm Chloe. And this episode is our sixth month anniversary episode. It is, and it's slightly more than a week since we recorded the last one. We've been enjoying the snow, enduring the snow. We, we were snowed in with the, uh, I'm doing air quotes again because I always seem to do that, beast from the east. The beast from the east of the snow, the, the icing sugar that covered the UK and the whole of the UK stopped. It did. And for those of you who, who live somewhere that gets snow all the time... It was embarrassing. Yeah, it, it was just... Everything just stopped because of a tiny bit of snow. But it was uh, it was enough to derail everything, literally. Uh, so we had a few days of being no, at home. No bread in the shops, no milk in the shops, no no curry in the shops. No frozen pizzas. No frozen... No, if you want... And you, you could get ham and pineapple pizza. No one was buying those. No, well, I don't blame them. The only thing I went to the supermarket for was gin. Which we had in multiple Yeah, I, I wanted anyway. a different bottle of gin. I've already got 19 downstairs, but I wanted another bottle of gin, just in case I ran out. But if you needed ice, there was ice in abundance outside. There was plenty of ice outside, but don't eat the yellow ice. Yes. So we've we've been snowed in, we've had a poorly child, and Richard's been away for work this week as well. Yeah, I went off to Cloud Camp in London this week, where I was a guest speaker. Now, Cloud Camp's been running for... 10 years uh, run by some very good friends of mine um, and I was invited to go and give a talk and, and and what's interesting is this week is the 40th anniversary of Douglas Adams eponymous Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy so the first three speakers on stage this week at the conference were all wearing dressing gowns with towels around their necks and, and one of them is a regular listener to this show Chris so shout out to Chris who talked about how the influence of like you know the fact that a Kindle sort of looks like the guide and you know all this stuff that Douglas Adams predicted 40 years ago that's actually happened now that the influence he's had because he was a massive tech head he was a massive Apple user and great guitarist as well but um it was fantastic. I got to, to, to go to Cloud Camp in Clerkenwell in North London. And when you get there, it's a room full of seats. And each seat has a red card on it. And if the audience think that you're going slightly off topic or you're going to be commercial or they're, or they're just bored, they will ha- put a red card in the air. And one of the organisers will come on stage and forcibly remove you from the stage. This sounds brilliant. I can I can think of so many times. But as a speaker, can you imagine they're explaining how the evening's gonna go? I know but it There's keeps people you on your wearing toes. people wearing towels around their necks in an audience. And the average audience is like the some of the most senior techie geeks on the planet. Um and as a speaker you're thinking, I'm up fifth. I'm up second at last. And I'm following some pretty big people, and I know my deck's pretty good, but all these people have got red cards, and I could be, I, this could be the most embarrassing, I've done thousands of these things, but I've never had a conference where people have had red cards. I mean, at the end of the day, if it was all going bad and they were sticking the red cards up, you could do some kind of strip. Uh, Sorry, gin and tonic. Gin and tonic again. Uh, you could do some kind of strip and dance and then, you know, at least they're sending you off for a really good reason and they're making it personal as opposed to just from uh, 
from your speech, but I think that's a brilliant idea because there's been many times when I've been sat and uh, listening to stuff at conferences and it's just been so dull. Um, oh, these weren't dull. In fact, the guy who was on stage before me came on stage with one of the anonymous Guy Fawkes masks on and did the entire thing in a Guy Fawkes mask with a microphone underneath that. And it was fantastic. And then I thought, hang on, I'm up next. Do you know what you should have done? What's that? Now you're telling me. You should have worn the green Power Ranger outfit. I should have worn the Power Ranger outfit. That would have gone down really <laughs> You would well. have walked out on stage. Tony Richards was with me. He would have laughed so hard he would have died. You would have walked out on stage. Everyone was would have seen what budgie you're smuggling and then it'd be red cards all around and you'd be off. No, I don't know. I think there were some people there who would have been quite impressed with my budgie smuggling. But um, yeah, it went down really well. And uh, it was interesting because during the conference, during the, during the evening, it turned out that somebody there was launching a podcast and that a couple of other people there have their own podcast. So we were all talking about how rubbish it is trying to get your stats, that there is no rhyme or reason, you know, the streaming versus download. So it just goes to show how big podcasting is getting when, you know, I'm, I'm sort of seen as this veteran daddy who's done, I don't know, six, seven years of it, but... A lot of people are launching their own shows, and uh, shout out to them, because I'm no doubt they're listening to this episode now, because I was talking about it the other night on stage, so here you go. Yeah, podcasting is the new blog, isn't it, really? Well, it's not new, I've been doing it for seven years, so... No, but I mean, you know, back in the day, people, everyone used to have blogs, didn't they? Sure. And everyone was running blogs, you and had I, a blog. I, I had a blog five years before I started podcasting. Exactly. Dickrants.org or something, whatever it was, Dick yes. Rants. I can remember, well, I don't remember many of your posts, but I remember there was one post in particular that was something to do with the tv aerial on your office yeah i had an office in my garden in the house that where where we first lived was it to do with pigeons being on there and yeah i'd be be sitting in my office and a, a pigeon would land on it when i was watching television and the signal would disappear and I'd have to get out of the office because it had a flat roof, so you could with, with shingle on the top, so you could tell when the pigeons were walking towards the TV area because you could hear the little bastards. And um, I used to get out of the office and have to get up a ladder and get rid of these pigeons who were not scared of. I'd go outside and shout at them, and they'd just sit there looking at me. So I'd have to get up a ladder and try and deal with them. What you should have done, you should have lifted the dog up there, and then you would have been well away because Eric didn't like birds my little west highland terrier did not like birds at all and i do you know what i'm having a gin and tonic and i've actually got a, cr- I've had a crippling headache for about an hour now haven't i is probably it- not the most sensible thing to do if you've got a headache is have a gin and tonic i thought i thought it will relax me but actually it's making the headache worse i'll, I'll relax so i'm in pain you're gonna relax me in a bit what are you gonna do you gonna... don't worry don't not talk about that so it's mother's day tomorrow it is mother's day tomorrow and it is a special day for me because I am a mother. And here's the weird thing. When when we decided that we were going to have children, and we've been together for a few years by the time we decided to have children, it was always on the cards, but it was just when you decided that you were going to give in or I was going to give in or whatever. I remember sitting there downstairs watching television thinking, this is real now, that for 37, 38 years I hadn't had to do anything you know, as an adult, I hadn't, you know, I only had to look after myself and the dog. All of a sudden, I was facing this whole lifestyle change. But it must have been weird for you, because, you know, you were going to have something living inside you. Yeah, I basically, as soon as I found out, I just cried, because I was like, my life is never going to be the same again. Like, not my life is over, but just my life is never going to be the same again, because I'm always going to have somebody else to worry about and to put their needs before mine 
till you know forever really um so that was quite i I remember being in shock because one working out i think i think the first time when your wife or your partner tells you she's she's pregnant and you've been trying you're you're stunned that you actually work you find out that you're you're actually your bits actually work but then how many pregnancy tests did you do when you found out you were pregnant about 30 no just did a few though i bought you about 10 I think it, you just like the novelty of like watching it turn from like nothing to a line. Well, as I said, I actually felt like, you know, sort of vilified that my body worked. And also, here's the thing. It was a very adult thing to do, to have a child, to, to, to do it. It's very, very cool. Yeah. But um, I remember feeling quite cheated because uh, because of the timing of of the first pregnancy you, you meant that it. I was no no meant that I was pregnant for mother's day but I'd already had the baby by father's day so to have my special mother's day moment I literally had to wait like 10 months, ten months yeah, yeah. um and until I got my my mother's day uh, moment which I don't I don't even really remember much Who's of it your the, mum's and Christopher the Christ, Christopher the big blue eyes in the in the in the, in the push chair I remember it avidly uh so it was a you know it was just one of those things but it mother's day does feel different when you are a mum yourself to you know when it's just about your mum and now our our day is always split so you know half of the day is about me and our family and then the other half is about my mum um but you know it's just i i feel very lucky you know every year that we have Mother's Day. I feel very fortunate to still have my mum here. Yeah. Just because there are so many who don't have them. People who don't, and you know, and as I get older, there are less people who I know who have their mums around on Mother's Day. It's it's very difficult. I think that's the same on Father's Day as well. But it's it's more the fact that um you look at the paraply of cards and paraphernalia that start sort of five to six weeks in the shops before Mother's Day. And you walk into the supermarket and you see the, the, the forest of flowers, the, the floor of flowers that that, that that are surrounding, you know, the bottles of Prosecco and the chocolates, etc., etc. And really, you know, a mum, all she wants on Mother's Day is a day off. She does. Or to see her children. I mean, there are lots of mums out there who don't get to see their children on Mother's Day. My mum's not seeing me tomorrow. She'll be over the moon. Or, you know, or don't even have their, their children around anymore um, to... You know, and that must be very difficult if you're a mum without your children, just like it is if you're a child without your mum. Yeah, it must be hard. It, it, it's one of those things where I think as a parent, you notice life changes dramatically when children get to sort of three, four, five, when they're less totally reliant on you. I mean, the children still are reliant, but they're not needing to be picked up every two seconds. That you know, the children can sit quietly or or play together, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you start to then get a portion of your life back. Do you remember when even having a shower was a win for you? Yes. Oh, I remember. I remember many showers. I, in fact, I remember many showers when our youngest wasn't even that young, where I would literally be in the shower with my leg wedged against the door because he would slide it open whilst I was in the shower and water would go everywhere. And so I just have to wedge it with my leg whilst he was crying because I dared to spend, and I'm I, I'm very quick in the shower, but I dared to spend like five minutes in the shower just to wash my hair. You know, <laughs> he would just go crazy over it. Um, 
so yeah like being a mum changes as uh, as you say as as the children get older and they become less dependent on you but then you kind of <coughs> you know you kind of move from you know them being completely reliant on you to to them sort of needing you but not needing you but then you get or them wanting you rather than needing you yeah wanting you when they don't need you um but then you get to move into this new phase where you get to see your child um, and what they've learned and they're becoming independent and then when they come back to you with stuff that's incredibly rewarding you know when it's they've done a picture and they've done some good writing underneath or well, when they some of the pictures are dubious or when they've um like our youngest makes me stuff at school most days when he comes home from school he's asking me to check in his book bag because he's made me a card or a picture or something like that and um yes some of them I'm not entirely sure what they are uh but you know to have to start having something back like that um is is a lovely feeling and you know as you as you get older and then your children get much older and they become these independent people you can see you know hopefully how you've made some good influences on them sure and i think as well for for husbands and partners of women who have become mothers you see your partner change and flourish in a, in a good way and also in a scary way because... In a scary way because they become like their own mothers. No, I don't think... No, I'm not going down that route. What I'm saying is I remember when you became a mum where when you weren't absolutely shattered and hating me, um, the differences in in the way that you carried yourself, the differences in your body, the differences in our relationship, the dynamic when you became a mum compared to any months before when you were an expectant mum it's a massive paradigm shift between you know you're responsible for you're still responsible for the house if I'm not around if I'm you know away with work and you've got the child etc etc but all of a sudden you've created life you've done something that we can't do we can't carry a child we can't birth a child we can't can't breastfeed we can't breastfeed we if we could we would um but it's more the fact that, you know, you change as a person. And it, I know it's difficult because you give up so much. All mums give up so much, and it must be incredibly hard. But the dynamic changes in the relationship, you become this... It's not like an earth mother, because that's the wrong phrase. But, you know, you become a, a much more powerful force to you become, with. I tell you, I think you definitely become more sensitive. Because I was one of these people who just never cried. And now, like, oh anything Oh, my could God, make me we cry. were watching The Great North Run. I was pregnant. The start that of the time. Great North Run, and Ant and Deck were on top of a bus with Jimmy Nail, and they were just about to start the race, and you were crying like a baby because it was so emotional. emotional. That was, I was just like, "What is going on?" That was early days of pregnancy, though. To but be it's still fair. part part of the motherhood crazy stuff. We're not going to talk about baby brain stuff tonight because that's not got a place. But but I uh, I definitely am more emotional now. Like more things make me cry now. And not just me. I think when you see things um, involving children on TV, you know things that aren't pleasant or whatever. I I do actually get upset and things now. Yeah, I do as well. Or like stories on the news and stuff. Whereas before, I didn't. I think you could. Anytime you hear something bad that happens, you just part of you puts yourself in that other person's shoes just for a split second, and thinks about how how that must feel yeah um 
in a way that you maybe don't before children because you literally you just think about yourself and maybe your partner you know sometimes I think about your welfare but you know mostly it was just about me I think when you become a mum you just look to your partner and go look you looked after yourself till now get on with it and look after yourself until such a time as I tell you that I'm remotely interested and don't hate you anymore Exactly. <laughs> I think I'll let is. you know when that is. It, it, I think the first two or three years of motherhood is a cessation of violence. There's um, you know, it's like it's like the war has the war is over, but I haven't forgotten that you got me into this, and look what you've done to my body. Well, I don't I, think I, I've I think fared too lot. badly though. No, no, no. You've done very well. I mean, you you look fantastic. Mother of two, God, no one will believe it. Seriously, that is the correct answer. No, you, no I, I get compliments all the time from my male friends saying, "How did you pull that? How did you? You are punching so above, above I think, above your I think weight. it's just that's more of the a... amount of my friends who think you're you're hot is is amazing. But that's because you know they see you as something like the Elephant Man, so they think you're punching you know way out of your league. I am punching way out of my league. Well, of course. But <laughs> I, I knew that. I mean, that's why when you said you know I want to have children, I'm just like, mm, this is for keeps. Yeah. We weren't married when we had our first child, remember? We were engaged. But we were we engaged, married. but we weren't married. And we planned to have a family, and I was looking forward to sort of like, well, I don't know, because I went to a boys' school where they never taught you about things like this. So they don't tell you how long it takes to, when you plan to make a child, how long it's going to take. And some of our friends took years. Yeah. It so I, I was ready. I was ready for sort of six, 12 months of, of bumping uglies to try and create this child. And it's just like when you. Two weeks later, you're like, yeah, you were done. I'm pregnant. I was just like, really? That's quick. Yeah, we were we were incredibly lucky. I both, did, both times, I just looked at you and you were things, pregnant. It's one of those things that until you start to go down that road, you don't know how long the journey will be. Like there is, there are no previous and, indications. And it must be absolutely heartbreaking for couples who try for years and don't manage it, or try for years and require medical intervention, and all of the horrible soul searching that goes along with that plus you know i mean we found out very quickly with pregnancy there's no what's the word i'm looking for dignity yes it must be even worse for those who are trying to get pregnant there's absolutely no dignity yeah and then you know that makes you think about about mums and you know what makes a what makes a mother you know is it just a biological mother or is it is it a particular you know woman role model in in your life for you because it may not be that it is your biological birth mother no you, you know you a lot still of people get who are adopted or a lot of people who are or raised by grandparents step parent i mean step parents don't get enough plaudits and applause no because it, you know having your own child can be can be challenging but helping to raise a child from from somebody else um brings brings a whole whole different ball game with it mm-hmm. but um you know and i think sometimes being a step parent is not something that that someone has set out to do it, I, it's I was just, just i was a step parent i was a step parent for 10 years before i met you and i didn't know any of the answers or anything and it was it was often tinged with a lot of sadness but massively tinged with happiness as well but you have a stepfather who's amazing i do indeed he's fantastic yes. i mean he's absolutely fantastic yeah so I I do I do think about um about people who aren't you know with their biological mothers or or even with their biological children because you know you get as well not doesn't tend to happen sort of when you're when children are younger but certainly when they're older there are mums who sort of adopt but don't adopt 
other children. Foster parents as well. Yeah, foster parents as well. But also I'm I'm thinking of um, a couple of people that I've known who've had, you know, teenagers who have, have more or less adopted one of their teenager friends because, yeah. you know, they, they may have issues at home or, or things like that. So, you know, they are as good as a another mother to them, basically, because maybe, you know, their home situation means that they don't get that that love and loving care or, or the direction and guidance they need. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think as well that when you are a parent of your own children, whether they are your biological children or you've adopted them, your whole focus changes within the relationship you're in with your partner because your primary job as mother must be just, you know, you're there to make sure that the children's well-being is cared for, but also your own welfare and seems to be like taking a massive back step. Yeah, I think it does. Just, um, but in a way that, you know, you, you don't mind, you know, that you sort of put a lot of your life on hold. But um, one of the things that I've found is that having my own mum, you know, nearby has been, has been a massive help. Not just in terms of like, can you have the children so, you know, Richard and I can go off and stay in a hotel. And make, and make hotel penises. Make a hotel penis out of a duvet. But yeah. just just general things, just having that backup of this has happened. Is that is that normal? Is that okay? I mean, more so when they're younger, but also just, you know, how would you deal with this situation? Um you know, and I, I feel incredibly lucky that I've had my mum there for those moments because I know for her, she didn't have her mum when I was younger. Yeah. She and, didn't. And, uh, but I found, it, I, I found it hard. I don't have my dad to ask questions of for anything. So I have to make it up as I go along. Yeah. And it it is difficult, but it's also very difficult for the husband as well sometimes because, you know, Mother's Day is all about celebrating motherhood. But for us, it's also a period of time when we look at you in a different light because, you know, you're not just our partner. You're not just the woman we wake up with. You're also the mother of, of, of children who are growing and changing. And Do you know what? I, I didn't really ever think about that. But obviously, yeah, you because I, as I, you know, obviously was pregnant and then then we had our first child and you became dad. But I didn't really, like there wasn't a huge shift in in you as being you know my partner to you being my partner and dad because you know physically other than being a bit tired you know there wasn't like a great change um and your day-to-day wasn't massively different whereas with me you know physically I'd gone through a big change Mm -hmm. plus I had this baby who was you know feeding off me every three hours and you know, my mind was constantly on this child, mm-hmm. and so you didn't get, you know, anywhere near as much attention as you did before. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mean I, like I don't, an affectionate I don't think, attention. I don't think fathers of newborn children get any attention for the first sort of six or nine months after the baby's arriving because, as I said, we just our job, our one job is to provide. You know, try and keep the house safe. Try and make sure the bills are paid. Try and find our feet as well, because our place is changing the world in the respect that it's not just a biological chain where we are with regards to, you know, in the food chain. It's more also our place. We are growing up as adults. 
when you have your first child as a father, you, you, the sleepless, I guaranteed, the sleepless nights I had, I used to wake up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning worrying about the most inane shit, like how am I going to pay the gas bill, how am I going to pay the water bill, forgetting, actually, I'm £350 in credit with the gas, I'm £150 in credit with the water, and, I, I, you know, of course I can pay it, but you wake up worrying about it, and you think, why? I just mean, I just meant, like, how you would see me differently, like, uh, you know, going from this... Oh, I can answer that. You know, sort of one sort of type of woman, you, if you, you like, you, to you, a completely different type yeah, of Yeah, I mean, I can, I can answer this. You've probably forgotten the conversation we had when you were about two or three months into motherhood and I spoke to uh, a good friend of mine who you know who remained nameless and I asked him, I said, how did it change after you had your first child? And he misunderstood the question. He he thought I was talking about sex. He said to me, he said, how does it, you know, he th and he said, the first time I had sex with my wife after we had the baby, he said, it was totally different. And I was like, why? Thinking, you know, did her head explode? Or da -da -da -da. And he said, because all of a sudden, she wasn't a girl anymore. She was a woman. And I had to up my shit. And I was thinking, I don't know what that means. And I remember thinking, why is it different? I don't think it's a girl to a woman thing. I think it's more no, of no, it, it is. a woman to a mum. Like, I'm I'm with a mum. No, 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 it's not because you're before a mother, before a woman has her first child, she's still your girl. She's still your, she's, she's you know, the love of your life. She's your girl. She's your... The, I was not a, what, 28, 29-year-old girl. Okay, I well, I, regardless if it's condescending and I get hate mail from Me Too types, um... I don't care. Um, you're still, you're still my girl. You're the, you're the one. You know, was it going to be different? And is it different? Sure. Is it more respectful? Sure. Is it, is it different? Yes. Because I tell you what, you've been on this road trip together towards having a child, and all of a sudden, you're together for life, whether you like it or not. You're this. This is real. It makes the man up his game, because all of a sudden, he's got to stand up and be counted. In every department in life, whether that's paying the bills, whether that's making sure DIY is done, whether you're sure, what da, da, da. Because you have only got a two minute attention span for your husband in any one normal day. Well, probably, that. probably more now. But when the children are growing I'll, up, I'll give you, I'll give you five minutes now. But when the children were very young, I didn't get a look in, and that's fine. But that throws a that throws a newborn, the father of a newborn, because. He, as I said, he doesn't understand his place in the world. But now the children are older, I'm extremely grateful for the attention that I get. But more so for all the effort that you and all the other mums put into making sure that our children are clothed, fed, that my clothes make their way from the laundry basket back to the bedroom. You I know, you can know do that, that yourself. I, why would I? I work for a living. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is that it's Mother's Day tomorrow. We're going to celebrate you. We're going to celebrate your mum. We're going to celebrate all mothers and the fantastic job they do. And um, and I actually get to have a lie-in. And you get breakfast in bed. Like the one day where I don't have to get up two hours or so before you. No. No. So, tomorrow, breakfast in bed. Presents. And, uh, and then I will business pull my as, way. And then business as usual for the rest of the day. No, not at all. So... Let's hope that all the mums out there who are listening to this have a fantastic day tomorrow. And all the f husbands and partners out there who maybe listen to this actually try and copy me and make an effort tomorrow for the one day a year that you have to make an effort. And the you one don't day have a year one you have to make an effort, you should make an effort every day. 
I make an effort, effort every day by staying out your way, because then I'm not, I can't get into trouble. I'd rather be standing in front of 400 people or 250 people on stage than than have to deal with you asking me why I bought more tea bags yes. or why I bought more sugar. Can, can I have a red card system, actually? Or so that when I walk in the door, you can just When say, you walk in the door with bags of shopping of yet more tea bags, which we don't need, uh, or gin. I can just red card you and you can just go back out again. Sounds perfect. So that's what we need to do. You've been listening to episode 25 of Not Quite the Afterglow, the one where we discussed motherhood, fatherhood and everything in between. Come back next week for episode 26. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can subscribe via iTunes on your Apple device. If you are an Android user, we recommend using CastBox, available free from the Google Play Store. Find us on Facebook. Search Not Quite the Afterglow.